It's a new dawn, it's a new day. It's a new life for me, yeah. It's a new dawn, it's a new day. It's a new life for me. Episode 5 of the Reef Addicts Podcast. Between interviewing the various vendors at the MAX Conference in Orange County, Southern California, I got to sit down with three different speakers, and it was pretty fun. These guys, they saw the bottle of Crown Royal, ran over immediately to see how they could get some, and the next thing you know, I'd rope them into some interviews. So check out what these guys are doing. I mean, check out Bob Fenner. If anything, he's interviewing me. If you hadn't noticed yet, there's a whole bunch of videos up on the website from the various vendors that we interviewed at the MAX conference. These guys had a great time sitting down with us for just a few minutes to talk about their products, and we had a blast learning more about what's going on in the hobby. One of the things I liked most was when we got to get out of our booth and go visit some of the other booths and see what they had set up and do some one-on-one discussions with the latest products. At the same time, I found myself tied back to the booth for those interviews, and Jesse's done a great job of getting them edited and up on the site. We've also had some new articles come out in the last month, and we hope that you're checking those out. If you're not following us on Facebook, or if you're only following us on the podcast, we recommend that you come to Reef Addicts at least weekly, if not daily, and see what's new. See if there's a blog entry that you've missed, or check out and see if there's something you can help someone else with. That's the whole point of the website, to help one another. So here are some of the interviews I was telling you about, and I hope you'll enjoy them. This first interview is with Bob Fenner of wetwebmedia.com. You guys might have seen it before in the past when doing research for your tank. He's a very interesting guy, and if you've got pizza and beer, he'll be your friend for life. Check out his site sometime when you get a chance. Get in here, Bob. I'm getting a sunburn. Come on, bring your sunburn over here. Scoot over a little bit. Come sit with me. Are you the prize? You're the, you're going to win a prize. Look, here's your prize. Are we drinking yet? Absolutely. Is that absolute? Do you want a cup or you just want to go for the jug? Are you joking? <laughs> oh, man, you have the fancy gear. Of course. Yeah. Oh, sorry about that. I... Never apologize well, for drinking Crown Royal. Well, are you we kidding me? Again. I can't believe, Mark, you come all the way out here uh, from uh, Texas. Uh, and you're not even given a pitch? No. Oh, come on. This is my pitch. This is my new site. Oh, God. You got tired of that? Uh, Did you not know about it? <laughs> uh, not so central, freebie uh, work. This is my new home. Okay. You got the shirts to go with it yet? Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. We're a young site. I mean, uh, well, well done, mate. All right. Let me know if there's something I can do to help you. All I right? got that recorded. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that, that, so, what, what is new with you then? You're still All making right. sums? Yes, I still make sums and sell our own units. Milo's Reef is. No, done. Oh, outstanding. <laughs> You don't hear that on click and clack. Nope, that's right. Nope. I drink Crown Royal when I'm not working. And <laughs> the rest of the time, I'm working on the new site because what I wanted was something that had a podcast every month, like oh. Clockwork. So we're doing that again. 
And we've got weekly articles coming out. We're doing of the week, like critter of the week, pest of the week, invertebrate of the week, equipment of the week, fish of the week. And do you, who do you have helping you generate the content for the thing? I'm Mr. Content. Uh, <laughs> My name is Mark Levinson. <laughs> All the way around. Well, could you compare and contrast it with uh, Jake Adams' effort there? At Reef Builders and all? Reef Builders is a very interesting site. I actually do enjoy seeing his updates on a regular basis. It kind of motivates me to get back on the ball. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but what I'm liking is the way they're always showing new content. And they've been doing this for a couple of years. They got down to a science. And in our aspect, we're looking at some other areas. But that's actually something I want to incorporate as well. You know, I, I'm not trying to just necessarily copy others because I've always wanted to be my own person. But oh. I do like what they're doing, and it's kind of like, oh, I should have started that sooner. You know, and I do have a general question for you. There's other friends, uh, the Bailey brothers, who have a long-standing podcast. Mm-hmm. I've looked at the things off and on, and they generally have just um, like some sort of psychedelic graphic mm-hmm. that uh, runs continuously while folks are talking. Right. Uh, do you ever see a time in which you'll have, uh, you know, uh, streaming video or at least pertinent graphics uh, to go along with these talks? Well, one of the things we do have in the um, ability, of, if you're not doing live, if you're able to do some post-production, you can put in whatever graphics you need before and after or even during. You can insert images of things you're talking about to kind of like highlight that special spot on the equipment you're talking about. But um, there is sites like Ustream where you can actually have it live and tell people tune in at this time and they can follow along. And that's kind of tricky to get our hobbyists to actually be there at that same exact moment. But if it's something that's recorded and they can download through iTunes, it's always available, or through YouTube. And so that's why we're using Facebook and Twitter and YouTube on the site. And how do you intend to to, uh, pay for Reef Addicts? Do you have sponsors? We accept sponsors on the site, of course. And if Wet Web Media would like to... (laughs) I will admit to you, we actually have never... Uh, actually it. tried to promote the site. I will. I don't mind saying we have uh, enough folks. You know, thirty, forty thousand people a day use the thing. That uh, I'm ever so grateful yeah. to folks like yourself, Mark Levinson, and uh, your personal site, Maleb's Reef. That yeah. still is going. I take it. Yeah, that's where um, I'm making my living. Maleb's oh, there we are. Yeah. And uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, Terry Siegel and mm-hmm. a few other people that have just excellent. Uh, you know, even if they're just bulletin boards. Uh, that uh, can, you know, aid uh, folks who are looking for information, yeah. inspire people a little bit one way or the other. But really, um, our site has uh, never been very commercial and uh, we really don't have any more time for, uh, you know, uh, adding actually much new, uh, let alone uh, if there was a sudden increase of people looking for help. We try to, you know, respond within a day right. and uh, and sometimes I'm, you know, have to already answer more than an hour or two's worth a day. So, uh, like I say, so I'm delighted. Uh, so, your emphasis is just going to be reefs, or do you guys do general marine uh, uh, as well? I would say it's reef tanks primarily because we're talking about people that are really addicted to the hobby. Yikes. But at the same time, we're also dealing with the, um, the aspect of I want to incorporate a new area um, that we don't regularly see on our forums. And this site doesn't even have forums, so it's even more interesting. What we're doing instead is we're using blogs. And the beauty of the blog is that you can have a super long entry, super long, like 1,000 pictures, 10,000 characters, and all one entry, and then people can comment underneath, but they don't dilute your content. Because I feel with threads, you know, you say something, they reply. You say something, and it's almost hard to find the information. But if it's all in your entry as one piece, then you get the information. Well, is it like wiki then? Uh, No, no. You're just going to have to go to the site and check it out. It's free. Just go check it. We need to get Bob Fenner on Reef Addicts. Come on. (laughs) Need a contributing author. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm, you know, as I always tell people, my stuff is uh, 
for non-commercial purposes right. is uh, available for free uh, anywhere. Are, are you going to go the you know the next month is the big industry trade show, the Interzoo in Germany? Are, do you hope to haul out uh, to Germany next uh, next May? Maybe next year, not this year. I want I want to focus on my yeah. Okay. Oh, it changes. Yeah, they're every other year. So, uh, but I think you'd have a great time. Unfortunately, the dollar being beaten down the way it is, it's a little money to get on out. But oh man, you see, you know, pretty much the whole trade yeah. on one place. Unlike the regional retail sh- shows we have here in the uh, U.S., and right. it's much much larger yeah. and much more devoted to aquatics. Well, let me tell you one thing that I'm hoping to add to the site, and you know, I think it'll be interesting to others that have not done it yet. Scuba. I'll be done. I'd like to add a scuba section, and I'm going to, because I'm not a scuba diver yet, I'm getting certified this year, and so I'm going to, it is going to be great to have newbie to getting more experience. I can kind of update, and other scuba divers can chime in, so we'll have this section that pertains to it. And I strongly encourage you, of course, like Wet Pixel and the friends of yours who are very involved in it down in Texas, uh, to add even, you know, underwater photography. Uh, to the whole thing, uh, yeah, and I will. I will tell you, I'm actually an old-timey co- content provider, is what we call ourselves, to the ornamental aquatics, you know, mm-hmm. petfish, as well as the the sport and uh, industry of diving, mm-hmm. scuba, what have you. And it always amazes me how little crossover there is in between the two. Yeah. And it's a shame. There are many people that are serious scuba divers, underwater videographers, underwater photographers that even have aquariums. But to them, because they're wealthy and time is short, very often they're taken care of by service companies. And they don't really have much of an underlying feeling for even the names of the organisms. They just like going out and taking the pictures and, you know, the whole experiential phenomenon. But, you know, uh, I welcome you as another diver and hopefully dive adventure traveler. Hopefully I won't be so darn old that, uh, (laughs) you know, other friends will be out there going. Uh, Through the years... uh, uh, people have gone with us in web, web media. Uh, two years ago, for instance, uh, Michelle Lamesh was with us mm-hmm. down uh, in conjunction with the Interzoo trip. We go to the Red Sea. And so this year, uh, uh, from the 2nd to the 17th, I'll be out with Rob Bray of House of Fins there in Greenwich, Connecticut. Uh, he and I and another friend, Marvin, who wor- works for Deltac yes, and directly Aquarium Solutions. It's okay to mention these names and all? Okay. Of course. <laughs> uh, that, uh, you know, we'll all be out diving and then going to the darn. Uh, uh, Interzoo, so it'd be great if you could make it out with us. Oh, but I'll be this newbie guy. You're like, oh, we're going way deeper. You can't come down, Mark. You're no, too new. I mean, you're in great shape. You'll, you'll be, like, sprinting right beyond us. And, and I will tell you, like, people, uh, for instance, I'd never been uh, uh, dive traveling with Rob Bray, and he and I, he talked me into going to Akurama last year in May, uh, the same deal in Singapore, and for a week or so ahead of time, we went to Sulawesi there in Indonesia, and it turned out to be a great diver and uh, actually a very good photographer, even though, like I say, he runs a very large shop, has a great big service company, has five children. Uh, wow. I don't know how he does it, but uh, uh, like I say, I, I think you'll be uh, you'll just be fine. All those years of, of uh, working late in the night and what have you, uh, yeah, it, it pays me. I'm so nocturnal. It's really hard for me to get on a daytime schedule because of so many you know working late nights. But let me ask you a couple questions. Are you going to be here both days? Yes. Right. And do you have anything new coming up, like a new publication or something? Well, uh, yeah, uh, there's a couple of things. Uh, I've been writing a serial for a small uh, marine aquarium, uh, or small marine aquariums book uh, for uh, Ultramarine in uh, England. Uh, real nice young fellas own and run that. You probably know their competitor, Marine World Folded, 
just this last month, along with Lang Seas Reef Life and uh, Norm Ridker folding in uh, FAMA into yeah. AFI. Uh, and so, uh, uh, but putting those things actually into print, I that probably will not happen. The, the economy just doesn't uh, won't justify it uh, all the way around. Yeah. Uh, you know, so uh, so there's that. Uh, as usual, I I still am uh, traveling and. Uh, uh, selling uh, content to the dive industry, uh, not so much the the hobby, the, the popular magazines, uh, but the trade itself. And so I have some uh, projects coming up for them down in uh, in Borneo and part of Malaysia, uh, and uh, you know the usual uh, business of life stuff at, uh, in San Diego. And how about yourself? All I can all I can say is that your life is something I envy. <laughs> You just you have such fun things to do and places to travel on such a it seems like a regular basis. Oh, you know, I, I'm always amazed. You know, you meet people and they go, "Oh, I'm bored," or "I don't know what I'm going to do." You know, next week or what have you. I go, I, I may be a very simple person, but I've never been bored. You know, I, uh, you know, I I would even think if I was put into a cell as long as the internet access, I'd uh, probably be happy. You know, because there's just so many things that I'd like to look up and uh, get involved in. You just well, listen, I'm going to stop us there. I want to thank you for talking with us at Reef Addicts, Bob Fenner. Right, Keep up all your excellent work. Jessica. Can you imagine not being this guy's best friend? Bob's awesome. This next interview is with Joe Wayulio, whose name is very impossible to say, and you'll hear how I start off just trying to learn how to pronounce it because it doesn't sound exactly like what it looks like when you're spelling it out. Joe is famous for his 20,000-gallon tank that he takes care of at the Long Island Aquarium in uh, New York, and... If you get a chance or you're in that area, you must see it in person. How can you miss out on a tank that takes a scuba suit to do maintenance every day? Joe Yaulio. Joe Yulio. Joe. Keep going. Keep trying. Yaulio. Getting closer. Yaulio. Throw a few more vowels in there. That's where you're falling short of. Oh, you have more vowels? Yeah. You have a few silent vowels? <laughs> Yaulio. Joe Y. Why? Why you low? There's no W. Why you low? <laughs> That's what people say. Why you low? Joe, why you low? It's it's butchered. There is no way that's Italian. That's got to be Hawaiian. No, the there was some guy up on a volcano chanting about you at one double, point in his life. The double L O is Italian. When my grandfather came over from Italy right. through Ellis Island, that's where they yeah. said, "What's your name?" And he could barely speak English, if anything. And so, that stuck. So this is what the guy wrote down. So it should be like Aiello, like Danny Aiello or something like that. And this is your grandfather, you said? Yes, yes. And he was drunk when it happened? What? <laughs> no, he was probably only about four when he came over. Aww, he was a drunk little kid? So, was he homeless must too? Have been my great-grandfather that couldn't <laughs> speak well. All right, so listen, 20,000-gallon tank. Now, yeah. you did tell me some of this when we were at the restaurant a couple months ago when you came here for Next Wave. You told me about how you had a beautiful reef tank and... Uh, there was an investor, and he's like, if you can do it on this small scale, can you do it on a big one? You're like, hell yeah, that's Absolutely not, that no is nothing, I, you know, no problem. Right. So let's talk about feeding a 20,000-gallon tank. Okay. I think that's a good topic because everyone teases me that I overfeed. Uh-huh. So let's hear how you feed your 8 bajillion thousand fish. Uh, basically, the morning starts out with a little bit of Cyclops, Cyclopes. A little bit. Is yeah. that the entire frozen bar? Um, well, the big block ones that yes. they have, it might be a third of that for the... Per day? Uh, yeah, yeah, wow. easily. And uh, so, and then mornings also include uh, like spirulina flake food. Uh, I use the Aquatrol spirulina flake, uh, New Life Spectrum pellet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, those I usually use more of the dry foods in the morning because I don't want the oils from the shrimp fouling the 
knocking down the protein skimmers and then those air bubbles get back into the tank and yeah. so usually the fish are fed like the mysis and uh, chopped up clam sometimes uh, silver side sand eels but those oily foods are generally fed at the end of the day yeah. just so it doesn't cloud the tank for the public and then do you do any hand feeding in the reef um no not really you know um definitely some days i are fed heavier to make sure that the more um, timid. timid guys get their food uh they don't get a lot of mice every day and uh at night i have the night watchman throw in some more cyclops during the night for feeding because i have a lot of fish that you sh- technically shouldn't have in a reef tank like what which um, one you should not have in a reef tank well, what, that, wh- what should you not have? That's in a right. Uh, well, I mean, I have you know, I, I started pairing up big angels, so I have mated pairs of annularis. I've mated pairs of um, blueface. Yeah, uh, 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 not in the tank, no. Uh, another tank, I have a, a single one. Um, mated pairs of emperators, um, and another fish like uh, a mated pair of semilavartis butterflies and things like that. So. I then have to feed the tank a lot to keep their bellies full so they don't rip into everything. They have limited my choice of soft corals. They've limited my choice of some stony corals. But they'll leave every SPS alone, and that's fine. So I do have to feed them well to keep them from indulging. What about terrestrial plants? Do you use romaine lettuce? Do you use carrots? Do you use oranges, bananas? No, nothing like that. Um... And uh, really just the spirulina flake is, seems to you know, handle it. There's, there's a fair amount of algae growing within the system that tangs are constantly grazing on. But, uh, no, I don't get into the gel foods or anything like that. Okay. I was yeah. just curious if maybe you changed it up a little bit from time to time, like treats. I know the German reefers will take an entire head of butter lettuce. Right. And they sink it in the tank, and mm-hmm. it, their tangs go crazy. It's actually a great video. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, to say I never do it, I mean, every, you know, if it's maybe a couple of times a year at most. Yeah. I may grab some dandelion greens that we feed to the um, our tortoises and our snow monkeys, and offer they, they, they like to eat that. But a lot of the other stuff they don't need. Right. Yeah. And so, is there an idea? Was there a budget to this food? I mean, what does it cost to feed twenty thousand gallon reefs once a year? I mean, that, for the year. Right. I mean, you know, if you just look at like the Pisces mysis packets. Yeah. Uh, you know, that tank in one sitting can easily eat eight packets in a couple minutes like a packets is not that much for that tank at so, all i mean i have no so idea so i i don't know i mean we i i'm not is sure it what hundred thousand dollars a year to feed that tank no I, it's a good question it's one i should probably look into just as a novelty item to yeah, have a like a no no let your boss it, know you're over budget yeah I, I tend i tend not to let him know <laughs> to certain things about that tank <laughs> tell us but, more <laughs> But, uh, no, I mean, you know, I mean, with full-fledged aquarium, you know, we're dealing with, you know, yeah. 30,000 pounds of herring per year and just, I mean, some other numbers for the, other, for the, for the rest of the aquarium, the, the sharks and, and penguins and seals and sea lions. So, right. yeah, I mean, I could probably look at, I could probably get a breakdown of the annual food budget. Yeah, that's how But it's, it's, it's scary numbers. I mean, just even the numbers on just maintaining the animal care staff. Yeah. I mean, all of a sudden I find myself watching over a budget of $800,000 a year wow. for the just the animal care end of things and yeah. i'm like when did that happen i'm you know i'm closing in i'm watching over a million dollars a year yeah. budget it's amazing i'm just a i'm just a fish geek. Yeah, yeah i'm just a reef geek you know and it's like all of a sudden it's there but like, Ooh, okay that's crazy i gotta grow up one of these days and, <laughs> and, and act responsibly with this budget right so and was it hard to figure out how to feed that many fish at first i mean did you sit there and did you have clues? Did you see fish getting super thin and say, okay, we've got to double on this one item, or what did you do? Uh, 
Yeah, I just it's like your home tank. You get a you get a good grip as to like what's being eaten and how quickly and um, so yeah, you know definitely if you have actually enough time because they do eat it so fast is putting the food in and running downstairs and getting to see the tank and see what's going on. Uh, but yeah, yeah, you definitely you do the same thing. I just like your home tank. You look around, you say, "Wow, that guy's a little thin. Let me let me put some extra food in and see if he's you're not getting to it, yeah. or is it available and if there's something up and he's not eating well." So you got an amazing skimmer or skimmers. Yeah, yeah. What's phosphates and nitrates reading? Uh, nitrates generally run below 20 on that tank, which is which is fine, and it's doing it. It's on its own. Uh, phosphates, I keep them below 0.2, which I'm not recommending, but uh, it's a, that's a reality on that tank. Uh, and if I can keep it closer to 0.1, 0.12, and I'll do that mostly with uh, lanthanum chloride dosing. And I do have some Fosban and Rovofos on the tank also, but the, the main load of phosphate control is the slow dose of the lanthanum chloride. And that's going straight into the skimmer body? Uh, used to. Oh, yeah, yeah. Things, things change up over time. And uh, I hooked it up to a, um, I take like 300 mLs of lanthanum chloride, add that to five gallons of RO water, and then I now have a slow uh, dosing pump on there that'll drain that five gallons in about eight days. And that slow drips into the intake to the sand filter. Yeah. So when I backwash the sand filter, I can get rid of those phosphates a little easier and minimize the amount of lanthanum getting in back into the system. Because right. it loves to precipitate out on your acrylics as lanthanum carbonate, which doesn't come off unless you buff it off. Yeah. So, um, yeah, if it gets too much, lanthanum gets back into the system, you have those precipitation problems. So, And are you dosing that stuff all day or do you do it at night? Because I was thinking maybe when fish are at rest, I was wondering, I asked a vendor, yeah. when should we dose lanthanum chloride? Right. Um, yeah, I, well, the, the key for the lanthanum is, um, is, for me, is diluting it and then slow dripping it, not dosing the... Not dosing the full strength solution because that's that's where you can get the really fast precipitation, yeah. and people have had problems with uh, tangs, especially zebrasomas, yeah. uh, ca- getting caked up. Yeah. And uh, so, diluting it first, and this is I recommend this even for home tanks. Excuse me, is diluting it first, then slow dripping it, and mine's twenty four seven. Okay. So but it, but it's eight gallons yeah. over. It's five gallons over. Eight days, so barely a, yeah, yeah, a gallon a day. Of water, right? Yeah, yeah, it's a really efficient way of controlling the phosphates. And wasn't it your aquarium that was used once for a PSA? Was that your tank? Yeah, we did some stuff. Um, one of I had a student in who was working with Philippe Cousteau's society, uh-huh. and um, yeah, we did some PSAs on fish pollution. pollution. Yeah, yeah. That was an amazing video. Do the, you have a link on the y'all site still? Uh, that might be linked off of our Atlantis website. I think it's we have not, a. If I can get a link. Okay. Uh, yeah, I had a lot of fun because making that. That looked so gross. Yeah. You jumped your 20,000-gallon reef. Yeah, yeah, I hooked up some great so PVC. You have a diver underneath with a net catching it. <laughs> no, uh, it was just this concoction I came up with of... Uh, um, it was food. Food, uh, some, just some shrimp, um, but it probably like some cyclops. jumping out of a yeah, nuclear I had, reactor. I had... Um, <laughs> sorry, just a little distracted here. I'm back. I'm back. Hey, welcome back, Joe. <laughs> I'm back. Okay, what were we talking about? Oh, yes, that's Sledge right. Your <laughs> it's legend. Um, like a spirulina powder. Yeah. And uh, some ESV uh, spray-dried phytoplankton and just mixed up this slurry and just shot it down that two-inch gray PVC pipe right. and it just billowed out into the tank. It was, like yeah, I was, yeah, it was just awesome. And I bet the fish just ran over and ate it all. 
I, I had for the footage. I tried keep. I had to try and keep them away because yeah. yeah so they look like they're so dying. it looked like. <laughs> Could you get any of the fish to lie on their side? Yeah, you know, yeah. Please pretend you're dead. Yeah, yeah. That was a lot of fun. We did a we did a marine debris one. I had plastic bags floating in the tank uh, and then drifting up and getting caught up on coral heads. Did you wrap it around penguin, penguin necks? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sea lions. The mammal girls weren't too happy with that. <laughs> So no, we didn't. No animals were harmed in the in the no, filming nice, of it. Nice change of pace. Yeah, know? yeah, it was a fun. That was that was a lot of fun. Just being creative. I mean, that's yep. what we do with this side here. You know, right. Keep it fun. Yeah. Well, thanks so much, Joe. I know hey. you want to run around and go hang out with some more people. My and pleasure. I appreciate having a chance to have you on our podcast. So My you pleasure. Have a great this next interview is with Scott Fellman. He's a friend of mine, and he's he hails from sunny California, and he is a plant lover. The guy is all about algae. Scott speaks at Macna each year and has for the past few years, and is also a author that keeps up a blog on reefbuilders.com, and he also speaks to clubs all over the nation. And one of the best places to keep up with what he's doing is just get on Facebook and find him there. But I talked to him about why he was interested in being a speaker in the first place. Scott Fellman is here on the mic. He's going to be part of this podcast. Basically, we want to know why you chose to be a public speaker. I wasn't actually chosen. I was drafted to do it. You know, it's it all started with uh, working with Wetwood Media with Bob Fenner. Uh, Bob's always pushing people to get out there and do a little talking. And he said, Scott, get out there and, and pitch to clubs. And so my first gig was, I don't know, five or six years ago. He said, put something together on PowerPoint. And I got out there, a terrible presentation, and went up to, <laughs> flew up to Sacramento, did a talk. And it kind of worked out. And the next thing you know, you kind of you, you get a real kick out of speaking in front of people. And people, look at all those people looking at you and some even listening to you. So it was kind of neat. And then from there, I just started doing a little bit of writing and stuff. And then... No, no, don't you jump in ahead. We're staying with oh, the public speaker. The, uh, I want to talk about the death grip podium trick you got death going gri- there. Oh, the death grip podium <laughs> trick. Yeah, one of the things I learned in public speaking is don't grab the podium. I still grab the podium. And I don't know why. I, keep, I, keep, I guess it keeps me from peeing my pants or something. I'm not, <laughs> not exactly certain. But. I remember seeing a... I think you put it on Facebook that you're going to duct tape your hands and see if you lift the podium off the ground. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's one of the worst things in public speaking is they say, don't grab the podium it shows insecurity or fear so i tried to do the you know the presidential thing and use the hand gestures because my hands are all over so if they're not all over they're going to be gripping the podium um so yeah that's something i constantly work on in public speaking <laughs> might want to check out with toastmasters you know just kind of <laughs> that place has been around for a long time okay so do you have a whole bunch of topics at this point or do you have like a I mean, is it going to be aquascaping for the rest of your life? No, no, you don't want to get rat-holed in the same thing. But I've got, I've got like ten different topics I do now, and 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 really, what it's been, it's an evolution of kind of all the things in my brain and all things in your head. And you know, you know, from talking, one of the things I found when I started talking is, I just didn't want to do topics and presentations where you're just looking at a bunch of graphics and stuff, and it's like, ah, I wanted to talk about things that are interesting to me. And if you express that enthusiasm, as you know, when you with the construction that you do. Uh, people find it interesting, and I get amazing feedback. I remember the first Magna that I did, I thought, oh, this is just, you know, I'm winging it. I don't know if this is going to fly. And people kind of stormed the podium afterwards. I thought, wow, people actually care about what I have to say. And it's amazing. There's so much talent out there in the hobby right now and so many good people doing so many things. And just I happen to be one of the big mouths. I talk, but there's people far more talented than me that are quiet, so it, I like to see more people get involved in the process. You know, well, this is why you were included in the Reef Aquatic Oath for Reef Addicts. <laughs> that's right, and you know, and that's why a site like Reef Addicts sort of empowers people. When you think about it, it gives the average Joe a chance to express himself creatively and share a message that he might have with people. And I think that sites like yours are are, are the future for the hobby, really, because 
we're a global community now, and there's so much going on. And, and it, it's not just a matter of who you know, it's what you know. And to be able to have easy access to information or to be able to disseminate your information, that's huge. Yeah. It's a huge thing. You're really empowering people. And I think that the, that's why your website has grown so, so well, I think, and so quickly. Uh, first of all, it's you guys. I mean, you have people know who you are. But it's what it is and what it represents. So what's coming up for you for the next few months? Are you just going to island hop and, and you, know, you know all the riches you're making? Oh, yes, yes. The, the massive amount of money that comes in. No, at, uh, working on the next few months, I just do have a few uh, presentations, um, mostly in the, uh, the East Coast again, the Southeast, and then uh, doing some writing, um, uh, getting ready for MACNA, which will be kind of fun. Uh, Orlando should be a real good time for everybody. Are you going to, you're going to Orlando, I think. Of course. I paid my entry last year. I, just, I haven't booked my flight in a hotel yet, but, you know. We never do. We do it at the we last minute. Last minute, last possible, top dollar second. That's right. My, my travel agent uh, hasn't booked it yet. But, no, I mean, going to these conferences is fun. Booking it now. <laughs> yeah, working on it as we speak. But, yeah, so it's just, uh, you know, doing that. And, and one of the things I was talking to a friend of mine not long ago, and you probably could relate to this a little bit, when you're out there writing and blogging a lot, is sometimes you tend to be doing so much writing and blogging and, and, and so forth that you're getting away from the actual practice of reef keeping yeah. which is a danger because I, and I, I you know I'm kind of excited about getting back into some of the things that I haven't been doing and all the travel um, so that to me that's really fun to, to look forward to actually doing and then having some new things to talk about yeah I saw you've got a couple of new little tanks up being built so that means you have something to talk about some personal experiences to relate again but I really like your talks because you always interject these humorous things or some funny slide, like, you know, where you're, the one where you're nude behind the surfboard. <laughs> it's not nude. I, I get all kinds of crap for that. But you, Let me repeat. He's nude behind a surfboard. Not nude. <laughs> He's nude behind a surfboard. Not nude. But, okay, even if I was nude. But, you know, the, the point is... <laughs> even if I was. Even if I was nude. No, the, but the point is with, with humor, though, I mean, and you've injected this into your talks. I mean, I remember the first MACNA I ever went to and it was just some guy in a dark room. I'd flown an overnight flight and got there, and it was just this guy, and I, was, I thought I was going to cry. I wanted to go home. I'm like, I don't want to sit through a whole weekend of this. Right. And I vowed if I ever talked, I would try to inject some humor. And it's not even so much laboring to inject humor. It's just being who you are. I mean, yeah. you're a naturally funny guy. It comes out. And, and I, I try It's to, the crown royal. Yeah, it's the crown royal. <laughs> At any given day, crown royal, tanqueray, whatever it is. But, I mean, usually it's just about being who you are and expressing yourself. And, again, it all gets back to the beauty of what, what you're doing on Reef Addicts and other sites is being able to express yourself and everybody needs a little creative outlet and you know if you can make something humorous and people actually get something out of it wow what a, what a great feeling that is you know now you're still all about algae right <laughs> that's the biggest joke of all plants I like I like do like uh, seagrasses I'm into that um, is there one that's named after Felman yet yeah yeah right <laughs> no unfortunately they haven't Felman Calerpa yeah I was gonna say Calerpa <laughs> it's a pest algae much like I am uh, now they haven't uh, they haven't done that yet, but but it's uh, it is fun playing, seeing uh, a lot of things going on in macroalgae and seagrass. There's a lot of interest in it. Um, I think it all stems from wanting to try different types of tanks, and you know we're so used to seeing the same tried and true. You know, I joke about the wall of rock, but I like to see people trying new adventurous things, and we're seeing that now, which is really great because the equipment is there, the food is there, the lighting is there. So many things have changed. I think you're seeing a big jump forward. So the guy coming into the hobby immediately can specialize in something, which he could never do before. One of them, I, I've got this dream tank that I've been dwelling on for like the last two weeks. I kind of came up with an idea. I want to make a tide pool tank cool. with regular temperature, though. Um, you know, just not, it's not going to be cold water like here in California. It's crazy cold. But I was thinking, I've got this tank I made specifically to clean my skimmer. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> it's 22 by 22 by 8. That's nice. 
And I thought, you know, if I could take that thing and put a ginormous drain in the middle or, or somewhere, you know, where it drains fast, then I could put a big pump underneath it on a, in a sump and connect it to a big squid and send up the water out one outlet. And then the other one goes straight to the sump like a closed loop. So every seven seconds it fills up the tank and it drains down. And if I could make like some kind of rock that had like holes, like cups to hold water, you could put a clam in there and it would always be submerged. But like invertebrates would be running for the low water because it's going up and down every... I'm hoping it'll go up and down every seven seconds. That would be really cool. I mean, then that to me is a unique display, something intertidal that hasn't been done really. Uh, And you know what the neat thing is? If you do that, you're going to inspire somebody else that... You have an incredible DIY skills, but there might be somebody out there that has really incredible yeah. DIY skills and, and the tools to do it. <laughs> and, not, and it's not even a matter of topping. It's a, they'll figure out a better way to do something, and then you'll try that on your next tank and so on. And that, that's what I love about taking the risk and doing something a little different, and that's what you're good at. And you've always been good at that, is just going a little bit to the left of whatever. I thank you so much. Uh, <laughs> but, but, I mean, it's true. I mean, trying something a little different that inspires the next guy who improves upon yours. Instead of just the status quo, and that's why I see the hobby going in the next few years, is yeah. a lot of invention. So I know you're really pushing hard for people to do it. Are the seagrasses actually getting into our reef tanks, or is it pretty much everyone's still trying to keep the algae at bay? Yeah, well, you know, it's funny. There's still, there's still the problem with seagrasses is it's hard to get supplies of them. There's only a few places that you can actually get them online. And I've talked to ScottFilman.com. <laughs> yeah, really. Not, not yet. One day, maybe, right? But I've, uh, but, but what, I, what I've realized is that there just isn't enough information on the hobby level out there about them. And there isn't, people just are still convinced they heap them with Calerpa. It's green, it must be a pest. And so uh, hopefully we'll see more people experimenting with them, realizing how easy they are to keep. And the fact that they have um, you know, a lot of freshwater planted people out there, there's a lot of crossover that you can do. And there's a lot of talented guys and girls in freshwater that are keeping these planted tanks. That'll translate really well into uh, seagrasses. And seagrasses are beneficial and interesting, so... I only think of them for, like, seahorse tanks. Yeah, I mean, and it's not just seahorses. I mean, you'll see those actually around reefs where you'll see a lot of wave action or, or tidal action or wave action. So uh, there's all sorts of things you can do with them and, and all sorts of biotope tanks you can do. And not just seahorses. There's an entire ecosystems based on seagrass. So interesting stuff. Well, I mean, I know certain fish will, like, lay their eggs or they'll do their breeding inside the seagrass. And I was, I was thinking, well... Seahorses will hitch. They need something to hold on to. So there's these little wiggly leaves that right. you call seagrass. I call them plants. Oh, we, <laughs> Weeds. Plants, plants. Right. And I don't know one from another. I couldn't identify them. If you asked me to, I was just like, yes, that's a plant. And I would, I would just thought those, maybe some hermit crabs or conks crawling around through there. You know. But I don't know what else to put in such a biotope. What would, what would be things you would stick with seagrasses? Well, interesting because one of the things about seagrasses is there's probably more fishes that associate with seagrass beds then don't associate with seagrass beds. At some point in their lifespan, many, if not most, fishes come from the reefs and go into the seagrass beds to, to, to grow and hide and shelter. So really a lot of different fishes. You can keep cardinal fishes, obviously, the obvious ones, even butterfly fishes, a lot of blennies, a lot of gobies, some wrasses. Um, you can make really interesting displays. As far as corals, uh, there's really all kinds of things you can keep. Goniopora, fungiids, uh, some acroporas. Uh, yeah, believe it or not, that will grow right up to the area where there's a, a, a actual reef structure itself. And you'll see seagrasses there in some places. But a lot of interesting corals, um, soft corals. So there's a lot of animals, invertebrates. Um, you can create a very interesting tank just dedicated to seagrasses and, and the animals that live in them. And that's uh, something that it's fun. Or you can incorporate them as part of your tank. You, know, you don't have to have the whole tank dominated. So. Will you be doing this at some point so we have an example? Yeah, well, actually I did, ironically enough. And then... Uh, doing some work on my house, broke that tank down and starting over. But yes, I'm going to be doing something with that. And I plan on, uh, actually what I want to do, because I hope to talk about this at NACNA, 
Uh, I think what I want to do uh, in the next few months is do some propagation at home, kind of to demonstrate how easy it is to do. So hopefully I'll have something to show people growing it outdoors. Um, you know, hopefully maybe as, a, as an inspiration to people that have the facilities to get into the business. You know, hopefully one day my, my hope is that uh, seagrasses are going to be as common as coral frags at, you know, uh, at these frag swaps, or at least as, co- as common as a bag of catomorpha. You really love these plants. I love these plants. I know. It's, I get really geeked out about these plants. And we were, uh, Michelle and I were uh, on vacation. We were in, uh, in Roatan, Honduras, of all places. And uh, we were on the beach there, and I noticed the dark stuff in the water. I'm like, what is this? It's, it's seagrass. And I, like a total geek, I ran into the water. Oh, it's seagrass. Get my mask. Get my fin. You know, Stomping at all the little fish that were hiding there. Killing the very fish that I, that I admire. But, but, you know, when you get excited about something, it's kind of cool. And, and, and as you know from being a reef geek, anytime you get out there on a real reef, it's so different than what we keep in the aquarium. And I think one of the things I like about the, the, the idea of seagrasses is that it's something so different and it's something that's so common in nature but so uncommon in the aquarium. Yeah, we just we really try to stay away from it. And you're saying acropora and seagrass. I'm like, no, it's going to take root in my acropora. But are these are always going to take root in sand? Is that yeah. how they stay? They don't get on the rock? No, they don't. They, don't. they tend to stay in sand and substrate. So they're, they, they don't go attached to hardscape. People, again, it's that stigma of calerpa. So everybody thinks anything green is calerpa. It's going to go sexual. It's evil. No, seagrasses are plants. They're true vascular plants. They're not nasty. They don't release any toxic exudates into the water. They just grow. Now, the, the key with seagrass is getting them to actually root and grow, and that, that's the challenge. But it, it's no more difficult than freshwater plants, and many of us came from freshwater backgrounds. <laughs> yeah, I'm right into salt. Well, but you're, you're actually, you know, it's funny, though, is actually speaking of that, how many people got into the hobby now exclusively salt? That's changed, too. In my it's, it's me. I started it. But, yeah, you must have. You're always on top of the trends, Mark. But, it, <laughs> but actually, a lot of people say, oh, I got in the hobby because of your site. And so that part makes me feel good. But I don't know what they did before that. They but, just tell me that. But you know what? You've helped a lot of people. And that's what's really interesting is, is your site. You were probably the first person to actually consolidate a lot of information that people needed to know. Things like sumps and plumbing. A lot of guys know about the algae and the corals and so forth. A lot of people are mechanically you know, with the word challenge. Moi, for example. I mean, plumbing, I defer that to my friends that know what they're talking about. But but there's a lot of information that needs to be out there. And you were one of the first people to disseminate that information, and you did a heck of a job of it. And you have influenced a lot of people. And, again, that's it all goes back to empowering people, and that's what sites like Brief Addicts do. It's giving the ability of the guy to get his idea out there so people can learn from it, and vice versa. And, I mean, that's the key to this hobby. That's Look at the stuff that's going on in fish breeding right now. My God, and on a hobbyist level, it's like the hatcheries are catching up to what the hobbyists are doing. You know, Brian Sherm Direct is over across from us here. I've been friends with him for years. And he came over and he's like, I kept one of my little tiny... It's like a sieve for cert, to catch certain size fry. It's, it's, it's like I had to save one for you, Mark. That's see, Impact is, is everywhere. But, I mean, that, that's what's so amazing is that it's all being done on a hobbyist level now. Uh, how many basement breeders are out there now? It's pretty pretty terrific. Yeah, it's crazy. I've been trying to avoid that like the plague. Yeah, exactly. Everybody's getting pulled into it. Oh, well, it's, it's just, it's work. It is work. I mean, I'm just, you know, I was telling them at dinner last night, I said, the reason I'm not breeding those fish are ugly. <laughs> they are ugly. I mean, when they're flame angel, they're gorgeous. But that thing before, oh, yeah, I don't want to look at that for nine months. Yeah, they're pretty scary looking. <laughs> you can have a tank devoted to little silver dots for the first uh, ten weeks. I'm just going to make it out of black acrylic on all four sides, and then I'm going to turn around and I'm going to put the stuff in there, and I'm going to just drop food in the top and not look at them. And, that, yeah, and then when they jump out and I see their flame angel, okay, I'll take them. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's just like microwaving something, right? It, pop it in, put the button in there. Microwave breeding. I like that idea. That would really accelerate something. 
<laughs> we literally. <laughs> well, Scott, thanks so much for talking with us, and uh, we'll get you out on this podcast, and you can listen to yourself and see how amazing you really are. <laughs> thanks so much. All right, thanks again, and, and I appreciate your wasting some bandwidth on me today. So, <laughs> thanks again. We keep up the good work, you guys and Jesse. The graphics on this site rock. The start button. We're here with Matt Conrad at the Max Expo, Expo, and what we're doing is talking about scratch, scratches and acrylic, and I can't even do this because you screwed me up. Yep. I need to see your badge. <laughs> no, 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 that's fine. Jim Burns. So we're here with Harvey Fell from Sarah Start again. Start it, Jesse. I almost said it totally wrong, that's why I stopped. All right, Neil. So podcast number five. Live no, this from is, LA. This is number four. This is five. Reef, the Reefcast podcast did not count. That, that was, was a Reefcast, that was Reef Central. <laughs> the Reef Central Addicts podcast did not count. Well, did you get like the cease and desist from their lawyers or something? It's no, it just for copyright infringement. It wasn't. It wasn't. Don't you know anything about copyright infringement? It was Reef Addicts Central, wasn't it? Yeah. They still think it's copyright infringement. There's the stick we need. I told you that. Get over here. I'm. Wait. <laughs> That's what she said.